You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. For this Lenten season, we're exploring how God is making all things right. God is doing it, and we get to receive it in our relationships, in our work, in the environment, with our resources, and in the body. We're going to start in the body today because I think one of the best things about Lent is the opportunity to apply and experience our relationship with God in not just heady or mystical ways, but in our everyday, practical, material, physical lives. Even bringing your body to this meeting makes a difference, so I'm glad you're here. In order to experience the change and healing God is bringing through Jesus' work on the cross, we're invited to confess what is broken first. What strife are we encountering in our bodies? How does it feel to be alienated from God in the body? How are things not right? We need to start with the problem to get to the solution. I think we encounter strife in our bodies personally and directly through physical illness. Some of us have really debilitating conditions that give us trouble every day. But even even seemingly minor things can be difficult. Like I used to get sinus infections that would make me so dizzy I could barely function as a mom sometimes when my kids were little. Pain makes it difficult to trust and to be patient with our bodies to work through things. And it's easy to get caught in addictive cycles with numbing pain, as we can see in the opioid crisis that we're facing right here in Philly. A lot of the personal strife we endure in our bodies is probably exacerbated by culture, too. Bodies have always been tools of the economy. We're supposed to push ourselves hard to succeed. This causes people to ignore symptoms that call for change or care. Professional sports players, for example, do amazing things with the body, but they sometimes endure great injury, and they wear out certain bodily systems way before their time. And that's totally normal to us because they're so well compensated for it. So we monetize the body for performance. And that's just problematic to me because we're talking about human life here which is way more than what our muscles can do. I love sports, but I think that's just evidence of a system that values and assesses people in limited ways, like we see in the undervaluing of our youngest and oldest people and those who aren't able-bodied anymore. Bodies are just a bit too disposable in the world, in my humble opinion, and I think we see this in the war machine too. There's also still a patriarchal bent to many cultures around the world that do violence to women in particular. Some national studies show that up to 70% of women have experienced physical and or sexual violence from an intimate partner in their lifetime. More than half of women who are murdered are murdered by intimate partners or family members. It's all connected to this lie about women's bodies somehow being owned by men. That's where we get the whole dowry thing, as if women's bodies are part of the property, part of this property exchange. It's even still monetized in the gender salary gap 
women make 79 cents to every man's dollar. And women's bodies are used to sell everything from shampoo to pornography. Sex trafficking is a huge business, even right here in Philly. And cultural messages about sex make it seem normal to objectify men and women and use people for temporary experiences. Racism makes black and brown bodies more killable, and the numbers don't lie. Black men are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police than white men. And that's not just a police problem, that's a human problem. There is still crucifiable flesh in the world. Communion is a protest and a hope that one day there will no longer be crucifiable flesh. But each time we go to the table, like we're going to go tonight, we see Jesus as our leader in recognition and revelation of what still is and what no longer will be. My point in naming all these problems that need to be healed is that people do violence to the body. Even in our inattention to the problems or our over or underindulgence with food and drink or sex without covenant love, it's all violence to the body. Bodies are too disposable and objectifiable in this world. And to God, I think that's an impossible dividing up and undervaluing of the whole person. And so God comes to us as a human person to show us that the physical material world is not separate from the spiritual one and to bring us back together, integrated as dearly loved whole selves. And Jesus does this in the most surprising ways. Of course, uh, in a way that his best friends were not happy about it. He, He absorbs all of the violence upon himself at the crucifixion to show that he was the last person who needed to die. Colossians tells us, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus came to make peace in the body. And so any violence that is still happening in the world right now is not from Jesus. His point is to to make way for peace within and among bodies, And I think what that looks like practically is nurture and care of the whole person, acknowledgement of pain, gentleness, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control expressed in the body. I hardly ever read novels, but a series that I couldn't put down starts with a trilogy called The Hawk and the Dove by Penelope Wilcock. It's about a bunch of monks living together in medieval Europe, which does not sound like a page turner at all, but it is because they're trying to apply the life of Jesus in real time and place. Day after day, in all the mundane stuff of life, and the challenge is of that that they face with their own lust for power and pleasure and the normal struggles in the body. 
And it's about how they make peace in those struggles through the life of Christ in them. It makes me cry to read of their tenderness and caring for each other's bodies long after they've lost their minds in old age and their physical capacities to care for themselves. They care for each other to the end. I think we need that kind of culture that values and loves the whole person unconditionally. When I was in fifth grade, my whole class made fun of me because we had to write a a report on our heroes, like with our class pictures pasted on a picture of their bodies on the front cover of the report. And I did my report on Mother Teresa, so my little face was peeking out of her habit on the cover of my report. I have definitely not achieved her level of selflessness, but I admire her life of caring tenderly for the sick in Calcutta the bodies and souls of people so poor that were considered disposable. She said things like, do ordinary things with extraordinary love. And the extraordinary love she was relying on and channeling was the love of Christ that she didn't even always feel for herself, if you read her writings. She was faithfully suffering with Jesus in the body caring for each person as if they were Jesus himself. Each of those poor, underserved bodies were receiving the tender love and nurture of Christ. In doing that, she was undoing death, expressing the cross, working with God to make all things right. And so we too are called to work with God to make things right in the body. God calls us to participate in our forgiveness and emancipation from death in our physical selves. So I want to make a little list with you here at the beginning of the season um, in case you need ideas for Lent for how we can participate with God in making things right in this area of life. The first thing I thought of is what Allie was inviting us to do earlier, and that is confession. We need to name the violence being done to us or through us if we want to be healed. Yes, God already knows all things, but Jesus mortifies death by exposing it. He gets it up there and out there on the cross. In the same way, I think it can be hugely freeing for us to name our problems to God or to someone else with God because grief that is acknowledged can be touched. Some theologians say that to understand what Christ has done for us on the cross, we need to be caught in the act, so to speak. Christ's work is always an act in which we are involved and implicated. It cannot be translated into convenient or quiescent ideas. In other words, by nature of being human, like Jesus, We are inherently part of the problem and part of the solution. Secondly, I think we're invited to make peace with our bodies. For real. In whatever form we're in, we're called to accept that our physical parts are valuable parts of who we are. So you might want to be nice to your body. Go to the doctor. Pay attention to how you feel. 
That probably sounds obvious to healthy people, but it took me a while to get there. In fact, I had to birth children to start to realize that my body was made for good work along along with the rest of me. That it wasn't just a tool to be used or judged or challenged. But I don't think we all need to physically give birth, obviously, to learn that. There are lots of ways to discover the regenerative life of Christ in us. And that our bodies are precious. Along those lines, I think we're called to stop avoiding rest. In her book, Jazz, Toni Morrison wrote, Most people want to crash into sleep get knocked into it with a fist of fatigue to avoid a night of noisy silence. I think this is especially true in our age where you can scroll through Instagram or work online until the wee hours of the morning. And so you might want to use Lent to have a conscious going into rest with God each evening. Kids benefit a lot from having a long and gentle bedtime routine. So you might want to pretend that you're God's big kid Give yourself a bedtime routine that you can savor and look forward to. A rested body gives us more capacity to pray with our bodies. This is really the best way that I pray because my mind wanders so much when I try to just sit and meditate. Talk to God on a walk around your block. The first Christians prayed with their arms straight up in the air so that they would concentrate on it, so their posture would express the intent of their heart. So maybe moving in some way or getting on your knees to pray would help you relate to God more this season. Service helps too. We can think of making things right with God in a three-part cycle, confession, repentance, and reparations or repair. I think what Jesus did for his friends around the table expresses that repair part. He served them. John 13, three to, fri- three to five describes, um, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He was serving to make things right. So get on a team and do something this season that doesn't seem overtly spiritual, like how Scott Scott and his crew were, were putting our last sign up on the building this week. Something like that in those material service expressions of love sometimes reveal themselves to be the most spiritual of all. God is making things right by our participation in his sufferings. Every strife we encounter is reversed by the cross, but we need to take up our own and be with Jesus in the mess of it to experience that. I know it's counterintuitive, but that, that's what Lent is for. We take the sign of the cross as courage that we can go there into all that's not right yet in order to see what love can do to make it right, right now in this life and ultimately in the resurrection.
I want to leave you with the hope that we're not condemned by our failures to do any of this to fix all that's not right in the body right now. And that's why Jesus tells us to take the sign of his body and blood poured out for us over and over again in the communion meal. It's a way to take it into our bodies again and again. His sacrifice was complete, but I think we need the repetition of communion to remember to start over again, that we can start over, to receive love again. Mother Teresa said that the hunger for love is much more difficult to satisfy than the hunger for bread. So we go to the communion table for love, to receive the love of Christ where grace is greater than all our sin. We actually don't have to enact our stuckness every day. We can act our freedom to bring, to be the new creation with Jesus to make peace with our bodies and the bodies of others, serving and loving them and valuing them as God himself does. Let's pray together. Jesus, we know that you took all the violence in the world upon yourself on the cross and became the last person that needed to die. Help us to get into that eternal life with you right now in the invitation to be gentle to ourselves and nurturing and caring to our whole selves and to each other. Show us your way of peace, even in our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.